Hey, this is the Super Tight Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Woody, and on today's episode, I chat with my good friend Shiva. Shiva is a music producer, a DJ, and a wellness expert based out of Los Angeles, California. She's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, including Google, Netflix, Revlon, Red Bull, and Coachella, while working with artists such as 2 Chains, Jamie Foxx, CeeLo, Tyga, and more. She's been showcased on major music outlets such as BBC Radio, Boiler Room, Low End Theory. I could go on and on and on about everything she's done. She is the shit. She's one of my closest and dearest friends. I've collaborated with her on multiple releases, including my favorite, The Art of Allowing, where she fuses the music festival type of beat sound with meditation music. I've personally meditated to her music more times than I can count. It's absolutely amazing. I highly recommend you check it out. Us, along with her super cute puppy named Bella, discuss all this and more in the second episode of Super Tight. I hope you enjoy. Super Tight. All right. Chiefs. What's up? What's cracking? I'm so happy to be here. You're my first guest. I'm so excited to be your first guest. <laughs> Dude, I'm so stoked we got your little pup Bella here. Yeah. She's going to be making noise throughout the episode. Hopefully She's not. She's wearing an Adidas jumpsuit. She's she sure, falling. She sure is. Um, so we're going to get straight into it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, meditation music. Yes. Yeah. How do you feel about that right now? Do I you- was working on it all morning this morning in the rain. Yeah. It's the best. I actually had a vision of myself like today while working on it, old with a baby in Bali and just killing it making meditation music really yeah that's awesome yeah and like doing like one show like every three months or something yeah <clears throat> yeah it it feels like um the right path just feels like me i think it's like the most punk rock thing and we've <laughs> talked about this before but i think it's like the most punk rock thing ever um to make meditation music right now because we're so overstimulated with like dubstep and like advertising and Instagram and social media and everything is just stimulating all the time. Totally. And so meditation music is like the anti right now. It's it, like the against the grain sort of punk rock shit and I'm, I'm super with it. It is. Yeah. No, it, it totally, it feels like a breath of fresh air. Like it, it inspires me with the other stuff I'm making to not focus on making, you know, a banger or something. Yeah. It it's even yeah, just feels rebellious for me in a way to get away from trying to make something that I think will fit in my sets. Yeah. You know? And so you meditate to your own music? Like when you're when you're in the process of making it, are you like you make a loop and then you're just like Hamza like you just <laughs> meditate in the middle and kind of vibe out? Or how does that totally, process go? Totally. I definitely meditate while I make the meditation music. Cause I feel like that's the best way to decide what sounds should come next and what feels like too much. And it's it's so cool because I just will sit there and I use the sub pack, which is like a subwoofer for your chair, for your back essentially. And so uh, I've been playing with putting like the bass frequencies in the meditation music. And it's like I'm getting a massage on my back and I'm just sitting there and just waiting till I get the inspiration for the next sound. I'm like, oh, a bell right here. <laughs> So you can feel the bass frequencies when you're wearing the sub pack thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it's not that it just rattles. It has particular points on the mechanism for different frequencies. Hmm. Um, so it's not just like this thing that rattles with the bass. Like it's very particular. So you'll feel it in different areas, like the different frequencies. Crazy. It's so cool. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. And. Uh, so you wake up in the morning and you make meditation music. Um, that's what I did this morning. Yeah. Uh, but I do wake up and meditate. And, um, you know, the, the, the way I f- initially first started making meditation music was 
for myself. I never had any plans of releasing it. Um, it was essentially a way to get me to start producing beats because I was creatively stuck and I was in this weird place and I was also dealing with some health issues and I was like, why don't I just start making some ambient music for myself? Like, it's really easy to make and it'll be healing. And so it really started in that way. And I started creating this music and experimenting with putting like brain waves on it and learning about theta state and theta brain waves. And Which are like their subconscious sort of waves. Yeah. Is that the idea behind it? Like, not, I wouldn't say so much like subliminal, mm-hmm. but like you don't really notice them, but they're supposed to have an effect on your, your mind. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a theta is a state that your brain, um, it's a frequency that your brain emits when you're in a very relaxed meditative state. And so you can sort of um, try to get, uh, try to create these frequencies to help you get to that state. Yeah. Um, and so I was playing with that. And is that like the zone state? Like, like the theta waves? Is that people talk about the zone all mm-hmm. the time? Like when you're making music or you're deep in an Excel sheet, whatever you're doing, like mowing the lawn, like, and you kind of yes. forget about time. Is that sort of the state that they're trying to get in with the theta wave thing? Is it like Yeah, it's yeah. that it's not sleep um and it's not fully alert. Mm. It's like this in between state. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to be. Yeah. It's a, it's where you know you re- like receive and get inspiration and like um and when you meditate and you're you're sort of you know you're you're there but you're not really there. So um it's it's the state that happens before sleep. Um, and then, yeah, I started, you know, experimenting with the, the theta waves and then uh, recording my own mantras that I felt like I needed to hear. Really? Yeah. Wait, so mantras meaning like you would like, like talk to yourself on recording and yeah. play it back to yourself? So I would say things like, um, I am healing, uh, I am you know, just feeling vital. Like, like girl, you're so popping. Girl, you're so <laughs> popping. You're amazing. You're killing it. Yeah. Um, and, and you would listen to that. Um, while I slept. Really? Yeah. I, I was actually researching that recently. And I kind of want to get into that. But I feel weird like recording shit for myself. Yeah. And then listening it, you know, back to it. It's, um, I, it's just kind of bizarre. Can you hear, is it super audible when you listen back to it or is it in the background? So you can decide how loud you want your voice on top of the music, you know? Um, I would just have it at a pretty low level so that, but it was still audible. Yeah. Like I still had it so it was audible. But then when I went to bed, I would have it, the volume low enough so that I could fall asleep. Huh. And, and did, you, did you notice a difference? Like, so you would say oh, like yeah. you really? Oh yeah. So in I, what, in what resp- explain this? Explain. Yeah. So I did this for a while. Like this is years ago. Um, and so it's essentially like a form of self hypnosis because when when you go to get hypnotized, the hypnotherapist puts you in theta state where you're not asleep but you're not awake. You're not fully conscious, um, and then they feed you information about what you, whatever it is that you talked about before that or how, whatever it is that they want to give to you. Um, they'll say those so things. So like you want to like quit smoking cigarettes or totally. lose weight or that kind of thing. Totally. And then the other side of the coin being you're powerful, you're confident, mm-hmm. you're pretty or whatever yeah. you kind of want yourself to feel. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, um, and I would play it for myself while I slept, slept and um, it's crazy what actually happened is like I really started to heal like physically. My body started to heal from some of the health stuff I was going through. And, yeah, and so 
And I didn't even know like what I was doing at the time. Like I didn't know about self-hypnosis. I didn't really understand how powerful it was. I just figured like, yeah, this is a good time to play this stuff. Like, <laughs> So you, um, did you research it before you did it or you just no. kind of, you just did it to do it, it was and all it worked? intuitive. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was all really intuitive. I just, the reason I started making the meditation music was as a gateway to start making beats because I felt creatively stuck. So that was like out of a desperation to just create something. And then I felt also that I needed that healing energy. So I was like, okay, this is like sort of two in one. I'll get to create create something, but also use it to heal. And then I um, just was inspired. I was like, why don't I say some things on top of this, some mantras that I feel like I need in my life, you know? And and then what better time to play it than when you're sleeping? It just seems like... And it like, makes sense because it's like if you repeat something to yourself over and over, you know, you'll get it ingrained in your brain enough to, totally. to, do, to do it or recognize these traits or exactly. quit smoking or whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. I do, mean, do you think you ever release a track like that? Like for people? Like do you think it has to be your own voice or could it be like your voice played for someone that's like listening to this or the public or whatever? Yeah, I've, I released a track um, with a healer named Panash Desai who um, did his own mantras over one of my meditation tracks, The Art of Allowing. Um, and we just released it for free on his website, like on his birthday. Um, but I, I do see myself doing more of that like the subliminal stuff dude that's mm-hmm. that's dope that's really cool yeah yeah i do see myself uh recording my voice and sharing mantras and healing energies yeah. and <laughs> love and yeah i definitely want to collaborate with healers and shamans and you know all of the beautiful people that are out there doing that and contribute my like sonic healing, but I think the next step would be doing it myself. For sure. Yeah, because that's how it started. And this is like very left field, obviously, for someone of your stature who's been DJing for a very long time. You've been DJing out, like playing club music and stuff like that. And so how does that, how does this side of the coin kind of fuse with the other side of you, which is like, turn up and the original production music that you make? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely am also focused on making original productions that fit into my club sets. Yeah. So that's the other side of the coin is that part of me still fully exists. And I think it's uh, my desire to want to put in these low-end frequencies into the meditation music is because of that side of me that DJs clubs. So it'd be like, you could make like a, like a club track and be like, twerk that booty. <laughs> You're so confident. Like under, <laughs> like under totally. the music subliminals of like reassurance for women and shit, but twerk that girl. <laughs> Honestly, it's so funny. We were on our way to Joshua Tree with some friends that uh, we do our creative um, masterminds with and I was playing them some edits I had made and they, they're like, yeah, this is like spiritual ratchet. <laughs> so apparently that's, ratchet. that's my new genre, <laughs> spiritual ratchet. That's amazing. Fusing the worlds. And I think it's funny because we tend to really separate these worlds of, you know, you're either spiritual and, and you can't be a certain way or you're either ratchet and you can't be spiritual. I, just, right. I don't mean to use that word, but you know what I mean. No, but that's true. And it's, it's super true. I, like, yeah. And when we were growing up, I think it's the internet has changed a lot too. Because when we were growing up, it was like, you're either a punk kid or a goth kid or a rap kid or whatever. And it used to be like a big question. Like you go up to somebody and try to bond with them and be like, what kind of music do you listen to? And they would be like, you know what? I'm into alternative rock. Like I love Pearl Jam <laughs> and Stone Temple Pilots. And I wear a chain wallet. <laughs> totally. And like, that's my identity. That's who and like, I am. And now you go up to people and you're like, what kind of music you listen to? And they look like, they look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Because everybody listens to everything. To it's everything. always the answer. And it's the, the reality of it is we're so dynamic as human beings. And 
I don't want to be viewed as just this or just that or and nobody really is like that and anyone that pretends they're like that is hiding a part of themselves yeah you're either hiding your wild side and your crazy side or you're hiding like you're super welcome you're super woke side (laughs) but i feel like we all contain all of those elements it's we're human we're human and yeah it's the um duality and and I feel that's you know why I'm inspired to create med- this meditation music with the bass. I think it's bringing those th- those worlds together of the angelic light sounds and the low end frequencies and that bass that moves your soul. I feel that they complement each other and it's really a metaphor for how I see people uh, really me, you know, it starts with me just um, bringing these worlds together. And so I'm really excited to keep experimenting with what that's going to sound like. Yeah. Especially for the club music, actually. Because the ambient music, I hear that, but the club music, you know, I'm still experimenting and developing with those sounds. And I see, yeah, I see that turning out really exciting. And speaking of like lifting the veil and seeing like both sides of people, multiple sides of people, um, and the duality that you're just talking about, how do you think social media has affected music and how has it affected your music and the way that you kind of make music and put it out into the world? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a double-edged sword because I feel uh, it really is such a powerful tool and you get to decide how you want to use it. And for me, it's definitely um, been both sides. It's definitely been this like really beautiful place where I get to express myself, share my music, share my process, share the behind the scenes, get people excited about what I'm doing. And then on the other end, it's been you know a complete distraction where I want to throw my phone off my balcony. And so have I found the balance of what that looks like? I, I, pra- I, I try to practice, you know, what that is for me. Um, but it's a process. It's a, it's, I think social media, it's so new. It's insane to think how new this, all of this really is. You know, I didn't have any of this stuff growing up. I didn't have social media growing up. I started off with MySpace when I was in college, you know? And it's not even anything close to what it was now. We didn't have it on our phones. No, and it's constantly evolving. And it's There's constantly... always a new algorithm. There's always a new platform or a new way that you have to do it or vertical video now. And there's all these different things that yeah. you have to do. It's very, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And I'll be honest, these days I've just been dreaming about um, how can I not be on it and still do what I do like what does that look like does is is who do I look up to that is doing that and you know it's not like how it used to be where the artist was perceived as mysterious and you didn't know anything about their lives and that was what intrigued you now you go to your favorite artist's Instagram page and you get to see like what they're eating for breakfast and where they're flying to and all these things. And that is really exciting. And um, I really do enjoy sharing with people. But yeah, how do you do it and still maintain um, a level of peace (laughs) and space? I feel like as an artist, we need space to get the downloads, get the inspiration, get the ideas and like we don't have that anymore. And I know, like, I've quit social media many times. Um, like, years ago, I, I took my iPhone in um, and, and traded it in for a flip phone. Because <laughs> I was so frustrated with being just on social media and distracted and not creating. And obviously, I don't have that now. But I've been, you know, it's been a journey of finding that balance. It's hard. Yeah. I think it's the, like... 
the minimum viable way to do it and reach your audience, kind of like you were talking about, um, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed because there's so many different platforms and there's so many different things. <clears throat> and like all the stuff you read on the internet right now is mostly speaking to companies and like corporations or whatever where it's like you need to post on Facebook and you need to do this like twice a day for maximum visibility with your demographic and you kind of start reading into all these different things and it's you can just get lost and you can start focusing more on like putting a post up of what you're eating or something instead of being creative like you were saying yeah so it's finding that I think it's finding that middle ground of like what is the platform? And for you, I think it's probably Instagram mm-hmm. for the most part, you know? Yeah. Um, that you can communicate with your tribe on, like your group of fans that you have, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of things are different, not just social media. It's like there's never going to be another hit record. Like there was, you know, Thriller. There will never be another Thriller. Isn't that crazy to think That's about? That's nuts because everybody is all over the place. You know, and there, everything's so niche now that there's never going to be, you know, unless these major companies completely take over the internet and put you down the funnel like they did with television. But I think it's too much to wrangle in. Um, so everybody's just going to have their niche shit that they listen to and they, they follow and they love. And I think that focusing on, like for you, focusing on just having your tribe and like sending your message to your people through the medium that you prefer. Right. You can ignore like the other 70% of shit and just mm-hmm. focus on what you need to do, you know? Yeah, it's true. And that that is exciting. And that that's why I think, you know, I see so many people these days getting really frustrated with social media and making these declarations and these posts like, I'm quitting for two weeks and <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And and. I've been there many times, you know, and the the whole flip phone thing happened like five years ago. Oh my God. Like I've been on this train. Was it a Motorola Razor? No, it was the cheapest one I could get. <laughs> it was beyond. It was, it was like, like a burner? It was like, wait, it was a burner. Oh my God. It wasn't a Motorola Razor. No, it was way, it was like a Nokia, I don't even know what it was. Wow. It was like one of the first flip phones probably ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's like anything. It's how you choose to look at it. And I do see it. I can either perceive it as a trap or I can perceive it as, you know, the game that it is. It is a game. You know, we're living in the matrix and social media is a big part of it. And I can either choose to have a lot of resistance towards it or I can choose to play the game and have fun with it. And I think... I want to play the game and have fun with it, but also how do you find that balance where you're not distracted? Yeah, it's your way you need to find, your way to communicate mm-hmm. with your people. And for know? me, I, f- I think it's just like anything, like when I sit down to create, I put my phone away. I do my best to like be focused on that thing. Yeah. And I think it's the same with social media is, all right, I'm going to do this, it's going to start now, and it's going to end at some point, like in the next whatever, however time I've allotted to that. And I think that's really key is not having it be this all day thing where you're constantly on it. But, you know, what is the purpose of being there, doing that, and then getting the fuck off? (laughs) And I delete my app all the time after I post. What do you mean? I delete the app off my phone after I post. So you download the app (laughs) from the app store. Yes. You post something to Instagram? Yes. And then you delete the app? Yes. Why do you do that? Why would you? That seems like you're wasting more time downloading and deleting the app well, than you are would, you would even be on the platform. I, for me, that's not the case. For me, Because you're would, looking up like cooking recipes or what are you doing? No, I just. You're wasting your time. I, will, I absolutely am addicted to scrolling on yeah. Instagram. If it's on my phone, I'm going to scroll all day. And so I know that about myself. It's, it's like being addicted. It's like trying to quit cigarettes and keeping a pack of cigarettes in your pocket. Damn. Like, why would you do that? Damn. <laughs> That's deep, yo. <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. You know? I never really looked at it that way. Yeah. 
it's really just acknowledging the addiction that we have. And I, I'm I, so addicted. I think I've just acknowledged it and I've accepted that. Yeah. And it's okay. But what boundaries do I put in place to make sure that it's not an option for me while I'm waiting in line, while I'm whatever, waiting for water to boil, whatever I'm waiting for. Everything. Yeah, everything. Literally everything. You know, because that's like dead time. That's like, precious time. Like as artists, as creatives, that's precious time. That's when you start hearing the next idea. Yeah. That's when you get the idea for even a really awesome post. You know, like I feel like I can't even be valuable on social media if I'm on social media all day. That's I'm, a really good point. I'm actually more yeah. valuable on social media when I'm not on it. I can share something that's valuable and say something that inspires people or create something that will inspire people. So that's dope. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of my conclusion with social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get another flip phone. I think you should keep your mm-hmm. current smartphone. That was such a crazy time in my life. <laughs> Cause I had an iPad at the same time. And then like, I actually DJed Coachella during this time when I had the flip phone. I DJed for H and M, and I took my iPad instead of your phone. I took the flip phone and I took the iPad so I could like text my friends. So I was <laughs> on the iPad. Yeah, I was walking around Coachella with an iPad, texting my friends and like taking pictures. So, like, <laughs> so you got rid of the pack of cigarettes in your pocket and you got a carton. <laughs> I, got a, I got a carton of cigars. And put it in your backpack, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, issues. We all got them. <laughs> so you grew up in Florida. Yes. You were born... In England. In England. Mm-hmm. So what from your childhood do you think like contributed to you being who you are like your parents were creative or you had a mentor growing up or what was something in your childhood that you're you can kind of look back on and say that changed my life creatively it's definitely my dad my dad was is super musical and even though he's never been a performer actually I'll take that back because these days he does perform for his friends a lot. Um, But he just loved music. He was always playing music in the house from like pop music, Cyndi Lauper, Michael Jackson, um, to classical Persian music, to Persian pop music. There was always music, Gypsy Kings, world music. And he was always singing. He was always humming. He had his keyboard. He was always playing on his keyboard. Um, and then when I was a kid, he, he forced me to start playing the piano. And at first I didn't want to, but I fell in love with it instantly. And yeah, it was like, it was just part of the household. Part of what you did was listen to music and play and play the piano. Cause he, that's what he did. And, and, so, and he sang too, like played the piano mm-hmm. and, and sang. Yeah, he's, and and it's all Persian music too. Really? Yeah. Is the so in Persian music they have different scales, right? Um, in well, in Indian music they have the different ragas, mm-hmm. but in Iranian music, um, that's a good question. I haven't encountered Iranian music that has different scales, but. There's definitely, they utilize the harmonic minor scale, which has that Persian Middle Eastern sound. It's yeah. a raised seventh note. What is that? Would you say it's like a twang or something? What is, what is that called? It's, a, it's a, essentially, like technically what it is, is it's a minor scale, or it could be a major scale with a raised seventh. So for everybody listening that's not a musician... <laughs> Basically, the the major scale is like happy mm-hmm. type of music. The minor scale is more emotional and like Moody, sad, or you can make sad. club music or whatever. Little John uses a lot of hood like bells. minor, yeah, hood bells on <laughs> rap tracks. Um, and if you play the minor scale a certain way, uh, it can be the Middle Eastern the vibe. Vibe, yeah, yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. Um, That's pretty diverse to, I mean, it makes sense with your sound and the music that you make now that um, you had a lot of pop music and then a lot of like Middle Eastern music and like those two fused together is pretty much your sound in a lot of ways. Totally. It's definitely the sound I've, I've been moving towards these days. Yeah. Yeah. You ever think about a dad collab? Oh my God, no. That'd be so cute. It would. That would be so cute. Film it for social media because you need content. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's the best. (laughs) He would love that. That'd be amazing. I'm going to do that. You should. Thank you. You should. Totally. Um, So I know that your, your meditation music and all these other things, you're very spiritual in general. Um, how do you think the, like the making music process when you, do you use any stimulants or like drugs or coffee or tobacco or any sort of like mind altering thing? Is there anything that you kind of do in your routine in that realm? Well, there was definitely a period of time where I love to smoke weed and create. But then that quickly became obvious how unproductive that was for me. Really? Because I would start things and not finish them. Mm. Um, And that was around the time I was really working on stuff later in the day. Now my process is I work early in the morning. Um, So I mainly drink green tea and matcha. Um, And every now and then with a microdose of psilocybin, Really? Yeah. <laughs> and what does uh, that what does that do for your like do you think you have a, a better perspective or you can get in the zone easier or kind of leave your uh like conscious state behind and, and let yourself go to create when you when you do that? It it varies. It's not always the same experience. Um but for me it feels like we all have these antennas right and we're walking around with an antenna Mm -hmm. and the antenna receives information from god or source whatever you want to call it the universe and i feel like when i'm in a state of not being distracted not thinking maybe it's a microdose usually that helps uh the most yeah. I feel like the antenna goes up a little higher. Right. And so that... You're, you're not tripping out. No. You're, you're, you're just getting a little like zzz going on. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a very, very small dose and it just feels like the antenna goes up a little higher and I can listen more clearly. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And do you do those at the same time? Like, it, would you microdose and drink matcha and like sort of the, I don't want to call them uppers, but like mm-hmm. the, those other things that kind of make you more hyper, I guess? Yeah, it depends. Um, I do love coffee. That's definitely... I love coffee so much. The legal drug of choice. Yeah. And I drank some coffee this morning, um, but I find that I'm most in my zone when I drink green tea and matcha. Is it a cleaner high or it's something? It's a cleaner um, feeling. Yeah. With, with the coffee, I get a little I get fucked up anxious and sweaty. And um, basically, I'm, ar- I'm the type of person that already thinks too quickly. I tend to think too much. I tend to be on the ADD side of the spectrum where I want to... Uh, multitask and do all these things and for me it's actually harder to sit down and focus on one thing and like go slower and for me when I go slow everything speeds up versus me trying to be fast and do all these things and then everything takes way longer so for me the key is slowing down and what helps me slow down but still be like alert and awake is matcha Green tea. See, that would just crack me out. I would just be so cracked out. Off With of, the matcha? Well, just caffeine in general, Yeah, I think. And what, what fucks me up is um, I'll drink coffee in the morning 
and I'll forget to eat. Yeah. And I'll just start going in on some music or some something I'm working on. Totally. And I'll forget about time. And then all of a sudden it's like 2 p.m. And I have like the shakes. Your blood and sugar I'm just like has dropped. Super like dude from Lord of the, like Schmeagol from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like ah! I'm just like shaking and weird and like it's yeah, fucked up. Yeah, it's not a good place to be. But I don't really think that, I think it, it is a clean, tea is a cleaner high than coffee. It is. I think coffee does that like, you, you have a way bigger drop off from coffee. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I, uh, I know that for women specifically, we're not supposed to drink coffee on an empty stomach. Why? Because it messes with your hormones. Um, men can handle it, but women, because we have all these different cycles and different, different hormonal cycles and it changes, um, it, it can mess with women. And so I've definitely, I don't drink coffee on an empty stomach. I make sure I at least have a smoothie before I have any coffee. And I do the same thing with green tea. I make sure I eat something before I have green tea. Because green tea can kind of make you nauseous on an empty stomach. Really? Because the tannins, the tannins in the tea will make you nauseous if you haven't eaten anything. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I definitely... Maybe that's why I've been feeling weird. Yeah, no, (laughs) and I would even recommend for anyone to just eat something and then drink the caffeine. But I know, you know, there's all these people that do the um, bulletproof coffees and their coffees are so, have so much stuff in them. So strong. And then the, the way that they're made, it attaches to the oil that they put in there. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it attaches to your bloodstream or does something where it has a slower release time. Yeah. So it has a longer effect than just drinking like a black cup of coffee. Totally. It's fucking crazy. But you know, you can put that like MCT oil in your green tea or your matcha. Mm. And, and it does the same thing? It does the same thing, but it's a cleaner high. Can you put it in your mushrooms and then you'll just stay buzzing for longer? I should try that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I usually put uh, the mushrooms in my green shake. Really? And then... And I actually do put MCT oil in my green shake, so I, I probably have tried that without even thinking about it. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that about women and men and yeah. coffee. Yeah, women um, have four cycles per month. Men only have one. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so you're way, that's why men are way more simple. Well, <laughs> um, that's actually something I wanted to go in with you too, is being a woman in the music industry and like what challenges you've faced or how it's improved or like the landscape of that in the past five years. Cause I know there's been a lot of, I don't want to use the word progression, but like there's been a lot of steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I, I think with women, especially in the scene that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely the scene that I'm in is heavily male dominated. All of the music festivals, all of the agencies and all of the rosters, it's all men. Um, And I really find that I haven't had a terrible experience with being a woman in the music industry. In fact, I feel like it's benefited me um, and I've been able to stand out for being a woman that can do what I do. And um, it's... I've I've found it quite beneficial. I I really, of course, I've encountered sexism, and um, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've been DJing, and someone will come up to me and ask me if I'm DJing. Where what they do you mean? Lit- like literally? Like if you're just DJing or playing a playlist and pretending to DJ? I don't know what's going on in their brains. All I know is that I can't tell you how many times it's happened. And it's always a dude. It's always a dude. Whoa. And I'm literally there spinning and I have my headphones on and it's only me in the DJ booth. They're like, are you DJing? So that stuff happens all the time where like people can't even comprehend that maybe there's a woman that's doing this. And in the beginning, I used to just get really frustrated with that, but I just started playing with it. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not DJing. And they, oh, that's what you would tell them? Yeah, and they would just look at me like so confused. And, and then it's like, 
are you figuring this out yet? <laughs> that it is me. So yeah, obviously there's all of those types of things that happen and um, just being hit on and by people that you're trying to work with and not um, being taken seriously. But I think that if you have something special to offer that you will always stand out. And I think if you're a woman and you're talented, you're going to stand out even more. And I think it's an amazing time for us women right now, considering everything that's been going on in the Me Too movement. I've definitely noticed a shift. Um, everyone is, is, is starting to wake up to the fact that they have not been supporting women in the way that they could be. And people are starting to look around and say, what dope women are around that we're not supporting? And so I've definitely noticed a change in getting just more attention, more love, um, and just people waking up to, you know, the the contrast of how many more men are in doing their thing and, and wanting to, um, yeah, people are wanting to bring dope women on board and it's about time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there needs to be more women in leadership roles in general, like, you know, female president, female, like, you guys are so much better at, like, organizing and fucking leadership and, like, doing grandiose things than men. We are. You know, you guys have four cycles a month. We only have one. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And and each of those cycles where we're, our brains function differently and we're better at doing different things and... You guys can multitask. Like we a can multitask. We and cannot multitask, bro. Like, we're just uh, way more advanced than you. I so, mean, uh, I should be hosting this podcast. You kind of are hosting this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's the first one. <laughs> um, so, out of everybody that you could possibly work with, who do who would you say your dream collaboration would be on? on making like a music project together? My dream collab would definitely be Bjork. Why? I have been a fan of her since I was a young teen. And to me, she's definitely the greatest of our time. She is so un unapologetically herself. And... In fact, when I first discovered her, um, I didn't like her voice. I, but I was drawn to the music. I was drawn to the beats. And she produces those beats. Really? I didn't know she that. She composes and produces all of her music. Whoa. And she collaborates with a lot of other artists, but she is a producer. You know? And so she's not only singing, she's not only... She, she's writing... And composing and producing, and she's definitely my dream collab. Whoa. Yeah, and she's just so amazing with the way she presents her music. Not only do I find her music absolutely incredible, but the um, love and artistry that she puts into presenting it. She takes on like a different character every album, and it's it's like... For her, it's the like entity that created the album, and each one is uniquely different, and each one has a uniquely different sound. But it's 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 all Bjork, but you just see it in like such a visual way. So she's inspired me musically, uh, artistically, visually, in so many ways. She's dope. I, I I have the same problem though with her voice. I can't I can't really get past it. Um, but she, I mean, her visuals and her, the way that she does present herself is something that I think she's like low key, super underrated in today's world. Yeah. You know, cause it used to be like, you could make a music video that was absolutely bonkers and people would have such a reaction to it and it would be this massive thing, you know, but now it's like, you make a crazy piece of art like that and it's like, whoa, that's so cool. Scroll. Scroll. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? We're so, um, yeah, bombarded by so much so that amazing things don't like impact us as much. 
But her old videos are legendary, and she's worked with Spike Lee and all these incredible directors. And um, I think you guys would make some dope shit together. I would be so down to remix her track, or like a, a like a meditation album with oh my with God. Bjork would be nuts. She's incredible. Yeah. yeah, she's so inspiring to me. And it, you know, if there's anyone out there listening that's not a Bjork fan, including you, Woody, <laughs> um, listen to her beats. Like, try to bypass. I know it's hard to listen to a song and try to not listen to the singer, but if you can, like, experiment with that. Well, that's that's kind of the problem for me, in general, right? Is like. I can't listen to jazz music because I'm always trying to, whenever, it's like the plague, you know? It's the plight of being a, a musician. If you, if, or a movie director, if you're watching a movie, you're, you're kind of breaking down like, oh, they're using this kind of lens and they're shooting it from this perspective and this is how they edited it. And so when I listen to music, I'm constantly trying to like break down what drum sounds they used and like, what they're doing in the track. Okay, there's a bass doing this and there's a guitar doing this. And with her music, it's very complex. It is. Like some of it's like really complex and out there. And uh, I can't, my brain just like short circuits because yeah. I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, what time signature is she in? Okay, she's using this instrument and then she's going crazy here and she's doing this. And pretty soon I'm, I'm so like flustered that <laughs> I, I have to like stop. Yeah, and, and just kind of take a breath and like, where's some like pop music? Where are the where's the pop music that's like four four and a loop that you know, I don't have to think about? That I don't have to like you know obsess over. Yeah, try to break down. I mean, so. her first album that I discovered was Homogenic, and Homogenic is all about um, the strings. There's a lot of um, string arrangements in there that she did, and it's just so theatrical and epic sounding and I just remember hearing that and just being blown away by the beats and this was before I was producing um I was like 16 and see that's dope because you before you're producing you're kind of just like you can you can kind of look at it from a different perspective and appreciate it as like a body of noise coming at you totally rather than Trying to analyze it. Trying to analyze it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I definitely don't listen to music the same anymore. Me neither. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. But it's part of it, you know? It is. I think, I think that it, it transitions over to other things, though. Um, you know, I think I can appreciate visual art a lot more. And, yeah. And visual art inspires a lot of music for me. I don't know if you're the same way in mm-hmm, that regard. Definitely. But like other forms of art kind of inspire me to want to make music. Um, is that true for you too? Definitely. For me, it's more so nature. Being out in nature inspires me to want to make music. So you see like a squirrel and you're like, yo, I want to make a squirrel beat. <laughs> more so <laughs> like, I mean, growing up in Florida, it was, I grew up you know, you asked me what my influences are and like how, like what I remember from my childhood and how it influenced me musically. Nature was a big part of that. So growing up in Florida, I was surrounded by jungle and swampland and green and it, it definitely created like a lot of space to get inspired and... Yeah, I think for me, like that's my most inspiring art form outside of music. So when you go when you go outside, does it kind of uh, cleanse your palate in a way where you're kind of just like it's like a breath of fresh air it or something, really is. and you can kind of just let yourself go and absorb whatever energy is happening at that moment. Totally, yeah. I think there's wisdom in nature, and I think there's it's. Like anytime I find myself overthinking, that's when I know I need to go in nature. AKA all the time. Walk in Los Angeles. <laughs> walk yeah. down the street in Hollywood. <laughs> all the time. I need it every day. And but I But you go hiking and stuff. You go up to I go hiking, yeah. but it's not the same. There's a lot of people on the trail and that's fine. It is helpful. 
it's definitely helpful to go hiking. Yeah. So out of your entire career and the things that you've done, what would you say that your favorite letdown moment has been that you look back now and you've learned a lot from it and it kind of pivoted your career and your trajectory to where you are now? That is such a good question because for me, I'm a firm believer that those are the defining moments for us is the moments when things don't work out the way that we planned or expected. And that's where really where the golden nuggets are. And for me, it's really been my own journey of healing um, my body and, and really taking care of my emotional um, state so that I can take care of my physical state. And really the biggest letdown, I would say, was in the beginning of my career. It's not a, I don't perceive it as a letdown. I really do perceive it as a blessing. But in the beginning of my career, I really was hard on myself, like way too hard on myself. And really, you know, um, I have really good taste. And sitting down to produce music when you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you have really good taste can be like a really big letdown where you're like, this doesn't sound like what I love and it's not even close. And, you know, I was really hard on myself during the beginning processes of me learning how to produce and it created a lot of emotional stress because there was like music wanting to come through me and it was blocked and I really believe that that led to a physical dis I call it a dis-ease you know because disease is really dis-ease you're uneasy and I was really uneasy at the time and I didn't realize it until I came down with pancreatitis and ulcerative colitis in the same month, which is both inflammation, you know, and... You think that was derived from music? I know it was derived from not feeling fulfilled. And in order for me at that time to have felt fulfilled a big part of that was to create. And I wasn't allowing myself to create because I was afraid to suck. And at that time, I manifested these health issues. And I had just started DJing at that time and I was just getting all these residencies and, um, you know, and land in, I end up in the hospital and like, Literally, the doctors told me if I didn't come sooner, I could have died. I had like crazy levels of pancreatic enzymes in my blood and I was in so much pain. And, you know, they were like, you have to stop drinking now. And at the time, you know, at a just like starting my brand new DJ career, that was really hard to hear. And it completely led me down a path of waking up and seeing myself and seeing who I am when I don't drink. And I wasn't an alcoholic or anything. I was just, you know, just your average person that, you know, if I'm in a club, I'm going to have a a drink or two. Some nights it's going to be three. And I was DJing, so I was getting free drinks everywhere. And it really wasn't a problem, but stopping doing it was really the enlightening experience because now I'm the only one in the club who's sober and I just started to wake up and see all these things about myself and start to see that hey I'm actually really fun I don't need alcohol and you know everyone around me is wasted and they think they're having a good time but actually like I'm the life of the party now because I can think straight and crack jokes and like also punch anyone in the face and run away right now and be totally fine and get away with it if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody comes up to you and asks you if you're actually DJing, right. you just punch them in the face and run. Totally. <laughs> you know, I just, and it just, um, not only did I get that clarity from not drinking, the main clarity came from realizing uh, where I was at emotionally and 
taking responsibility for my emotions. And in order to do that, I knew that I needed to create. And, and, and really bigger than that was just to be okay with myself. You know, and that's been the biggest realization as of late was I don't even need to create to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that a lot of artists go through in general is yeah. like being okay with yourself Absolutely. because you're opening yourself up for judgment and ridicule and people are going to be like, yo, your fucking nose is weird or whatever and your <laughs> fucking, you know, physical attributes. They're going to point out everything that's wrong with you in the comments. Or they're going to say that they don't like your music or, you know, you're going to say that you don't like your own music, which can cause duress inside of your body. So a lot of these things, like, as artists, we have to let ourselves go and just accept who we are and put ourselves out there. And that's, like, such a difficult thing for anybody. Totally. Much less someone who's an artist and, like, sensitive as fuck, you know? Yeah. So that's crazy that that manifested in your body that way and kind of yeah. changed everything for you. I do really believe that w- our physical ailments are derived from emotional ailments. And it's really interesting to look at that. Um, and sometimes it's so literal. Like I find, you know, like you get a bump on your head and it's because you can't stop thinking about this one thing. You know, it's so weird how it works but um you know I it's been my experience that that was very true for me and it really woke me up and it led me down a completely new path of looking at my the way that I uh would think thoughts and looking at the thoughts that I believed were true about myself and looking at the stories I would tell myself and the, the, the stories I would just keep repeating that I thought this was my life. This is my life and this is how it is. And um, really just wake, like becoming conscious of my own inner dialogue. And that's when everything started to change for me. And that's the time I started making the meditation music. Interesting. And so fast forward to now, um, you have this thing called return to sound. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings us back full circle to present day. Um, can you tell everybody what exactly return to sound is and what your plans are with it? Yeah. So return to sound is a meditative based experience and it's also a playlist on Spotify and it's also the umbrella under which I create this ambient music and if for me what it represents is returning to sound not only as in music but sound as in just vibration and energy and everything is energy and our thoughts are energy and our bodies are energy so returning and in a sense remembering that everything is energy and also returning to sound and music as a way to heal. And that's really been my path, is using the music to heal. And so for me, that's something that has been such a personal journey that I'm so excited to really share with the world and put out there more than ever. And it's, it, it's a journey and it's a process and it's something that I still am... You know, it, it's unfolding in the present moment, the healing, the awakening. And I feel like it's always going to be like that. We're never going to be done. And I'm not here to pretend that I'm done and I've got it all figured out. But I definitely know that it's time to share this side of me and return to sound is that. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to see where this takes you. And I'm excited to uh, hear the new music and to see, you know, this new journey that you're going on in your creativity. It's awesome. Thank you, bro. And you have been such a big part of it. And 
you have guided me for so long and helped me out and given me the best advice and been my low-key manager from day one (laughs) (laughs) and helped me release some of my first tracks that I put out and really just believed in me from the beginning. So thank you for being one of my best friends and I'm so excited for Super Tight and so honored to be your first guest. Thank you for being here, Chiefs. Love you. Love you too. Thank you for listening, everyone. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast. I've known Shiva for years and learned new things I'd never discussed with her before, interviewing her for Super Tight. I think that this medium is going to be a great thing for me, and I hope to bring you all inspiration and education in these different lanes of creativity. You can find Shiva online at at underscore Shiva Music on Instagram and IamDJShiva.com. Check out her album, The Art of Allowing, available on all streaming services, and be sure to follow at SuperTightCO on Instagram for exciting news and upcoming projects. This has been the Super Tight Podcast. Super Tight.